Well, we are finishing this series on search patterns in our life, and we've been kind of delving in and figuring out what kind of patterns we can put in our life to, to help us engage with the things that God desires for us. And we've talked about wisdom and authenticity and righteousness last week, and today we're focusing on blessing. And uh, when I was beginning and putting this series together, I actually thought this would be the easiest one. Like, we, we like blessings, right? We want to be blessed. Of course, let's, let's figure out how to do this. But as I kind of got into this and began studying and putting this message together, this actually turned into me one of the more difficult truths that we're going to have to grapple with. Because not only is it that we want to be blessed, but we've got to understand what blessings are. And that's what we're going to kind of focus on this morning. And so to kind of catch you up to speed, if you, if you haven't been in the past couple of weeks, uh, we've talked about that. This kind of pattern start when we have authenticity with God in our life. And it's this idea that we are known by God. He knows us completely. You know, there's nothing hidden from God. And there's freedom in that. There's not fear in that. It's freedom that he completely knows us, but he also completely loves us. And uh, we talked about how that authenticity then helps us to understand the search and the cycle of wisdom that flows through our life that we can begin to experience and attain the wisdom of God as we fully surrender and submit to God. And that led us last week to talk about the righteousness of God and this idea that we'll start to look at relationships differently. We'll have new lenses that we see, you know, our relationships with others, how we view reputation and how we view our resources. And I, I go back to that because I want you to see all three of these kind of intersect and intertwine to get us to where we are going to talk about today, this idea of blessing in our life. Because if we're not truly authentic with God, if we're not opening up and and realizing that he knows us and we want to be completely known by him, and we're not seeking his wisdom and trying to obtain his wisdom, and we're not pursuing the righteousness of God and seeing our world through the lens of God's kingdom and God's righteousness, then the idea of blessing is going to get very blurred and very uh, distracted and distorted when we try to understand what blessing is. And so today we're going to look at this idea of spiritual blessings. And if we go back and look in Scripture, you know, we see this picture begin to emerge in Scripture. That if we follow God, if you submit to his ways, you will be blessed. I mean, it shows up in the Garden of Eden to begin with, right? He's like, you can eat of any tree, do any, just don't eat of this one and you'll be blessed. Things will go well with you. And what happens? They break the rules and eat the fruit and, you know, all of history is impacted by that one decision. But we also see it play out and like in the nation of Israel. It's like, hey, follow this covenant that we set out with each other. Follow the Ten Commandments. Follow this book of the law that I've given you and you will be blessed. But not only will you be blessed, you'll be a blessing to other people. And, and most of the Old Testament is these stories of the nation of Israel grappling with these concepts of following God's will and being blessed and being a blessing to others. Sometimes they followed and other times they didn't. And we see that play out over and over again. We see it play out in the lives of individuals like Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego that were like followed God. And and they, in spite of difficult, difficult situations and circumstances, in spite of great opposition, Daniel was thrown in the lion's den Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown in a fiery furnace, and yet God delivered them because they stay true to him. And so we see it play out there. We see it play out in the Psalms and Proverbs, 
over and over again, these truths, follow God, God blesses the righteous, make your way straight and God will bless you. We see that over and over again. We see it in the teachings of Jesus, right? Blessed are those who follow the kingdom of God, who want the kingdom, who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They will be blessed. We see it in the writings of Paul and other apostles over and over again, this idea of this formula that emerges from scripture that if we submit to God, follow his ways, we will be blessed. And that's where all this ties together. And it seems, it would seem then that all I need to do is to make the right choices, do more good than bad, try to do my best to please God, and then everything in my life will work out perfectly. Right? And that wouldn't be great if that was the formula. (laughs) If that was all that it took was to follow that one formula. But the truth is, that's not the way it is. It isn't just a formula. It isn't that God, a formula God promised. What he promised us was spiritual blessings. And I use that word spiritual on the front end because it really is what he promises. And, and this is where it kind of falls apart in our lives a little bit. It's not that the formula doesn't work. It's that, that we have almost redefined the outcome of the formula. We have said, if I follow God, then I should get all of these material blessings in my life. I should get all of these physical blessings. My life should go well according to how the world defines blessing. And what we've done is we've taken an equation and we've redefined what the total, what the, what the outcome should be. Instead of two plus two equaling four, we've said two plus two should equal a hundred. We've changed the outcome and it doesn't make sense. It'd be like planting an apple tree and expecting it to produce peaches or grapes or something completely different. Because God says, if you follow my ways, you will experience spiritual blessings, not necessarily the way that the world defines blessings. I want you to hear this morning that, yes, God does want your life to be blessed. He wants to lavish his love on you. He wants to open the storehouses of heaven and allow it to shower down on you. But to experience that, we have to know what the word blessing means and what it doesn't mean. You know, in our culture today, when we usually use the word blessing, it's defined very differently than the Bible defines it. When we hear that word in our society, we think of wealth, prosperity, comfort, ease, good health, popularity, prestige, fame, excess, right? We think that blessed means not just having what we need, but oftentimes having more than we need. It's not just that my needs are met, but I've got enough to be comfortable and to do whatever I want. And think about how we use that word. We see somebody who's rich, who's this, who's that, who's got it. It seems like they've got it all, and we say, they're blessed. Look at them. They're so blessed. And that's how our world defines it, especially when it comes to the material and the physical world. Think about it the opposite. If I lose my job, if my If I lose my money, my spouse or my kids, or I lose my house or my health, I've lost my blessing. Here's to me where it kind of, the way it uh, flows down to me. Growing up, I used to love to play the game Monopoly. I still love to play the game Monopoly. I don't lose at the game Monopoly. I lost once, and it's because my mom and both of my kids and my wife all teamed up against me to, to beat me. But isn't this sometimes how we treat life and the view of blessing is like, I'm blessed when I've got hotels on boardwalk, 
right? So that when I land on there, you pay me $2,000. I'm bankrupting you, and I'm getting the money. And, like, I just, you know, you end up with every property, all the money, everybody's tokens. I mean, you are it. That's kind of the way we view blessings of this world. That when we come to the end of the life of our life, we've won monopoly. Like, we've got more than we have ever could imagine. And that's just not how God defines spiritual blessings. And so what I want to do is kind of break through some of these misconceptions of what spiritual blessings are this morning. And so here are three things that I believe spiritual blessings are not. First of all, spiritual blessings are not circumstantial solutions. They're not just solutions to the problems that we face on a daily basis. You know, how often do we equate, you know, blessing to things like, God, make this go away. Can you take this out of my life? Can you handle this problem for me? Can you fix this relationship? Can you fix this thing at work? Can you fix this thing at home? And we turn God into a fix-it guy, right? Just a fix my problems. Most of our churches, you know, when we go to different churches and we have prayer requests, many of our prayer requests are based on these circumstantial solutions. God, would, would you fix this for me? You know, is it wrong to pray for God to the, about these things? To pray for him because you need a job or you have a difficult relationship or a financial crisis or a challenging decision to make? Absolutely not. It's not wrong to pray for that. As a matter of fact, God wants us to come to him with all of these things. It isn't praying about them that it's wrong. It's equating them to the blessings of God that is wrong. That when we begin to think, if he doesn't come through here, if this doesn't come out the way that I want it, then I'm not blessed. God's not blessing me. I'm missing out. Think about it for a minute. If circumstantial solutions were God's blessings... And why do bad things happen to good people? Why is it that good people have bad things happen in their life? Why are some of us born into wealth and ease and others are literally starving to death? Is it because we are, we are our parents followed God's rules better than somebody else? Is it because we figured out the formula and they didn't know it? Absolutely not. Equating God's blessings to this idea of circumstantial solution often creates unanswerable and really unfathomable questions. It completely destroys the revealed character and nature of God. When we say that God loves everyone and God wants the best for everyone, and we equate that to our physical and material circumstances, those arguments fall flat, don't they? So God loves me, God loves you, but you have more than me. Does that mean that he loves you more? Does that mean that he loves me more than those that have zero wealth? Or, you know, am I, does God view me more favorably than somebody who has had to declare bankruptcy and is completely destitute in their life? Does God love me or us because we have a home more so than somebody who's homeless and without shelter or without food? So when we equate the blessings of God, spiritual blessings, to circumstantial solutions, we create a God who basically is a vending machine, right? If I say the right things to you, you'll give me the right things back. And that's not what God is. And here's what I want you to see where this really falls apart. Because here's what God values. 
Instead of valuing circumstances that draw our dependence away from God, God actually values circumstances that make us more dependent upon him. And see, oftentimes I pray for God to relieve circumstances and stress in my life. And he's actually got them in there so that I will reach out to him more. So that I'll learn to follow him more closely. That I will learn to trust him more deeply. And I'm often praying for God to remove the things that are actually pushing me toward him. And that's why circumstantial solutions are not spiritual blessings. I want you to hear this. God doesn't want the best things for you. He wants the best for your soul for all of eternity. He just don't want to give you the finer things in life. He wants to give you the best life possible by connecting you with him. So spiritual blessings are not these just circumstantial solutions. They're also not just physical interventions. You know, when we think about other things in our life that we pray about often, it's our physical state, right? Our health, the health of others, the health of our family. I mean, oftentimes when we gather to pray, we're praying for those things. We're praying for somebody who has a surgery. I remember a couple of years ago when my mom went through a, a big heart surgery. We as a church prayed for her. You know, a year or so ago, Gary, our own Gary, went through a, a major heart attack, and we prayed for him. Again, it's not wrong to pray for these things. As a matter of fact, James in the Bible says that we should pray for those that are sick. The elders should come around and anoint them with oil and pray for them. So it's not that we shouldn't pray for these things, but what's wrong, again, is when we equate physical health to spiritual blessing. If I'm more healthy, I'm more blessed by God. Because the truth is, and we all know it and come to accept it in our life, and this is not good news in a physical, you look around this room, there's one thing common to all of us. We're all going to die at some point, right? I mean, that's not like the joyful. What you learn at church this morning? Oh, we're all going to die. You know, I'm going to have facing death in front of me today. That's, that's not it. But it's true, isn't it? I mean, it's true. And when we equate physical interventions and physical healing to the blessings of God, it's this idea that we're asking, we're setting God up all the time to either be a failure or a jerk, right? So if somebody gets sick and we pray and they don't get better and they die, well, did God fail? Did I fail? Did I not say the right prayer? Did I not have enough people praying about this? Did I not say the right thing? Where I, did I not, you know, was I not desperate enough in my prayers? Why couldn't I convince God to work on my behalf to heal me or to heal my family member or whoever we're praying for to fix whatever it is? This became very real in my life. I remember almost 15 years ago now. I, I was speaking at a camp, a youth camp, when I used to be a youth pastor. And uh, I went to bed one Wednesday night. My throat was a little sore and a little scratchy, and I kind of lost my voice. And I woke up that next Thursday morning expecting to be able to talk normally. And I woke up that next Thursday morning, and I could not speak at all. And my voice was completely gone. And it was gone for six months. I mean, I couldn't couldn't speak above a whisper and even whispering like I could only whisper two or three sentences at a time before I just couldn't speak anymore. And as somebody who was a, you know, professional, I speak for a living. 
Like that was a very difficult time in my life. And I spent years praying for God to heal that and take it away. And long story short, I, uh, it was about five years after this first had occurred in my life. And I'd gotten to where I could speak better. I'd gone through some voice therapy. They had diagnosed me with a paralyzed vocal cord that through some viral infection and did a couple of treatments that helped some things to where I could at least speak normally or at least speak and communicate. And I remember one day I was serving at a church and we had had a whole summer emphasis called the impossibles. We were praying for God to do the impossible in our lives, only the things that he could do. And my impossible that I was praying for was the restoration of my voice. And I've been praying, we'd prayed 30 days for this and nothing had changed in my voice. As God would have it, I was scheduled to speak to our church the last night of that impossible emphasis. And I remember sitting in my office, getting ready to speak that night, and I didn't have anything to say. I was like, God, you, you have not answered my prayer. You, I, I've been praying for this, only something you can do, and you haven't answered my prayer. You have not met, you have not physically intervened in my life and fixed this problem. What do I have to say? And God spoke to me so clearly in that moment. And he brought me to this point. He said, Patrick, would you rather have your old voice back? Would you rather me fix your voice? Or would you rather have me? Which one? And I don't think at that moment he was bargaining with me. I think he was just showing me the wisdom. of t- And going through that, literally for years dealing with that, I'd grown more dependent on God than I'd ever had in my life. I learned that it was not my words that impacted people's lives. It was the word of God that impacted people's lives. And God had created within me such a dependence upon him that in that moment I realized, God, if I never speak again, I would rather have you than my voice. And that's what God teaches us in these moments of physical difficulties. We're all going to face them. It's not that he doesn't care. It's not that he can't intervene. But it's this idea that, look, at some point, we're all going to die. At some point, the prayer for healing is not going to be answered in the positive for each one of us. And that doesn't mean that God doesn't love us or doesn't bless us. It just means that he cares for us and his blessings mean something different. But to us, death seems so personal or permanent. But I want you to hear this. True life is found in the healing of our souls not in the healing of our bodies. The third thing I want you to see that spiritual blessings are not is this. They're not the realization of personal ambitions. It's not that, you know, that we we equate sometimes God's blessings to us accomplishing things in our life. We end up telling God how he should bless us. God, make this happen in my life. God, give me this. Give me that. Make me this. Give me this promotion. Give me that And we start telling God these ambitions that we have. And here's what happens when we go down this track. We end up in one of two places. We end up either entitled, thinking that God owes us blessings, or we end up enraged because God's not meeting these needs in our life. We either think God is our servant, or we end up mad at God because he's not doing the things that we think that he should do in our life. Think about it. I I remember playing sports growing up especially like church league basketball. 
Like, we went, we went, church league basketball is a world of its own. It's kind of crazy. But, like, each team would get together and pray before the game. And you know what we would pray? We'd pray for God to be on our side and give us victory. I'm sure the other team was praying the same thing as well. Like, do we just, you know, God like the blue team better today than the yellow team? I mean, when we pray, like, we think that God's picking sides. Like, that God's, we're telling God, you have to bless me, give me the win today. Well, what if the win for me means a loss for somebody else? Is that, I saw somebody post something on Facebook the other day, and I'm thankful. She was like, hey, we just missed this, this car turned out in front of me, and we got caught at the light. But I saw at the next light that car had been in an auto accident, and they were like, thank God that wasn't us. And I was like, what about that person? Like, did God, like, make that person pull out in front of you so they would get in the accident and save you? You know, when we equate it to this personal ambition, this protection in our lives, it's like praying for a win for us and a lose for somebody else, and it's not where we need to be. So... We have to understand God is not this personal genie that we have that we just rub the lamp the right way and he gives us our three wishes. So blessings aren't earned or deserved. They are given freely. So if that's not what spiritual blessings are, then what are they? If you got your Bibles, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 1 as we study this part. And this is an incredible passage that really helps us focus on what spiritual blessings are. So if we know what they're not, what does the Bible say that they are? If you've got your Bibles, Ephesians 1, 3 is where we're going to start. It says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly place. All right, so he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the what? In the heavenly place. It's not earthly blessings that he's focusing on here. It's blessings originating from God, spiritual blessings. And he goes in this passage, we're going to look through these verses quickly and see actually what these blessings are. Verse 4 says this, Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. The first type of spiritual blessing is this, is to know that you have been chosen. To be chosen. To be hand-picked by God. He has chosen you from the beginning of time. He wants you. And the key is this, is in that you find your true worth. You don't find your worth in your bank account, in your circumstantial standing, your physical health, in any of those things. Your worth is found that in each one of us sitting in this room have been chosen by God before the foundations of the world to have a relationship with him. You're chosen. God, the creator of the universe, chose you. I love being picked first for a team. Like when you have that schoolyard pick, like who's going to be on kickball, like being picked first for a team is a pretty cool feeling. Being picked last, not so cool, right? But the idea that the creator of the universe looks down of all of his creation and he chooses you, chooses each of us equally. He has value in us. Verses 5 and 6 say this. In love also, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has blessed us in the beloved. So the second thing is not to just be chosen, but to be known. It's a blessing 
to be known. You are known. He knows you. He talks with you. He walks with you. He connects his life with you. We are known people. And this is where we find our true identity is we are adopted as sons and daughters of the king. You, you have an identity in Christ. Again, it's not based on your circumstances, not based on your physical well-being. Your identity is in whose son and daughter you are. And you're a daughter and a son of the king, the creator of this universe. So to be known and to find your true identity. Verse 7 says this, In him we also have redemption through his blood. A spiritual blessing is to be saved, to literally be saved from what? Not our physical circumstances, but our spiritual separation from the one who created us. God has reached down, and even though we rebelled against him, even though we walked away from him, we embraced sin instead of our Savior, even though that happened, he provided redemption. He provided a way for us to reconnect with him. And that's a spiritual blessing. And that is where we find true hope. That's where we find hope in our lives is in the redemption in Christ. Verses, the last part of verse 7 and 8 says this. In him, we also have the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in his wisdom and insight. So it says there, we are forgiven. We've been given forgiveness. I want you to hear this morning. When we embrace this Christ and this idea of these spiritual blessings, we get to set aside guilt. We get to set aside shame. We no longer are defined by our sins, by our rebellions. We are now sons and daughters of the Most High. It says we are joint heirs with Christ, the Son of God. And this is where we find true peace in our life. When I am ruled by guilt and shame in my life, I'm never at peace. But when I understand and receive the forgiveness of God, it gives me an incredible peace to live out of. That's where we find our true peace. And then finally, verses 9 and 10, it says this, making known to us the mysteries of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things to him, things in heaven and on earth. The mystery of his will is that he has something in mind for you. And we are blessed to know that we are to be use, useful. Our lives are useful. We aren't here just going through the motions. We are no longer slaves to sin, but now we've been set free and set free with a purpose. And this is where we find true meaning in our life. True meaning. We have meaning beyond just our circumstances and our health and our ambitions We have meaning that has been set forth from the beginning of time. So what are spiritual blessings? They're not our circumstances, our health, or our ambitions. What are they? It's to know that you have been chosen, that you are known, that you are saved, forgiven, and useful, that you have worth, you have an identity, you have a hope, peace, and meaning. When I see that list, when I look at that, that's what my heart as a follower of Christ longs for. I I can honestly say I've come to the point that I want true worth, identity, hope, peace, and meaning in my life. I want it more than physical health. I want it more than good circumstances. 
Because I can honestly say in my life, I've come to the point where I want God more than I just want the things of God. Because the truth is, when I get deeper and more connected with God, the things of God begin to flow more freely in my life. That's when I truly experience a change, maybe not in my circumstance, but how I understand my circumstance. And maybe I won't receive healing, but even in physical pain and in physical hardship, I can find joy beyond just my physical well-being. And it's not that I don't have ambitions, but my ambitions start to flow out of my relationship with Christ, and I start to see things and want things that have true meaning and true impact. And so what I want to close with is this one question, because this all sounds great. And if you're a follower of Christ in here, this would hopefully sound intriguing and exciting to you. And even if you're not a follower of Christ, maybe you're like, man, that's something I want. That's deeper than anything I've ever heard or I've ever experienced. And the question is, is this how? How does this happen? How does this play out in our life? And I want to close with this. And this is found in Matthew 7, verses 7 through 11. And it's a great verse, great passage that really challenges us to understand how we engage with this. Matthew 7, 7 says this, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. So I want you to understand, spiritual blessings begin when we connect with God. Ask, seek, knock. How do we do this? It's through fervent prayer. How do we connect with God? It's by praying and connecting and submitting our lives to him. You know, a lot of times I catch myself and I'm like, man, I want those things of God, but you know what? I'm not intentionally connecting myself to God. Not praying. Not connecting myself with other believers. I'm expecting the things of God to show up in my life, but I'm not connecting with him. So how do we get these in our life? How do we get meaning and hope and forgiveness, peace? It comes when we, begins when we connect our lives to God. Ask him questions. Seek his wisdom. Knock on the door and fellowship with him. But the second is this, found in verse 8. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened. Spiritual blessings continue when we learn to abide in God. It's not just enough to come once a week and connect ourselves to God and be like, oh, that was a good teaching, I enjoyed the music this morning, you know, I connected to God this week. That's where it begins. But where it continues is we learn on a daily basis and on a moment-by-moment basis to abide with God, to make our lives intertwined with God, inseparable from God. He's part of who we are. We're part of who he is. God is available to us continually. When we abide with him, we become intertwined. How does this happen? It happens to me through passionate study. I take his word and I study it. You don't have to go to seminary to study God's word. You don't have to be an expert. It's just opening up your Bible sometimes and letting God's word speak to you. I, I love to teach. It's, I think it's a gift that God's given to me. But I want you to hear me very clearly this morning. The best teacher in your life is God and his Holy Spirit through his word. And if you're not regularly engaging yourself personally in God's word and in his truth, There's no way you can abide with him. 
And there's no way these blessings, these spiritual blessings, are going to continue in your life. A passionate study. But the third thing is this, and it's found in verses 9 through 11. He talks about the beginning about, you know, you as earthly fathers. He says, which one of you, if have a son, ask him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, would give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, and he basically means, look, you're not, you know, you're not God. You're compared to me. You're not holy. Uh, now, how do you give good gifts to your children? How much more will your father who is in heaven give you good things to those who ask him? Those spiritual blessings culminate when we ultimately find our satisfaction in God. That there is nothing that satisfies me like God. There is nothing else. In, there is no physical well-being that can satisfy me more than God. There is no circumstance that will satisfy me more than God. There is no ambition in my life that if I accomplish this will satisfy me more than God. When we allow our life to be determined by circumstances, health, or accomplishments, we will always be seeking. But God can fully satisfy you. He quenches our thirst, gives freely, fully, unhindered, and unabashed. And how do we do this? Through unhindered worship. Worship is not just our time that we sing and hear. Worship at time is actually when we stop our lives, stop focusing on other things, and completely become overwhelmed with the person and the presence of God, our Creator. Let me just ask you something. When's the last time you set everything else aside and focused only on Him? Not him and something else, not him and what he can do for you, not God plus this, just God. Just stopped everything else in your life, set it aside, and let your heart, soul, mind, and strength completely focus on God. That's when spiritual blessings culminate in our life because in that moment, that is when we find complete satisfaction in our souls. My question for you today is this. What kind of blessings are you looking for in your life? When we came up with this topic and we said, blessed, and don't we want blessings in our life? Was the first thing that came to your mind circumstances, health, or ambition? I want to challenge you today to change the way you think. Change the patterns of your mind. Stop looking at God as a vending machine and start looking at him as a savior, as a lover of your soul, as a friend who sticks closer than a brother, as a good, good father who knows exactly what you need. Will you connect with him in prayer? Will you abide with him in study? And will you satisfy yourself with him through worship? Let's pray together.